should we should we pivot? I think we should do the podcast. All right, Ishan, you got me on the on the cam. Entering stage left is our Kinsella from the Evening Standard and Liam Toomey, fresh off the plane you of guys, the Atlantic. Come on, give it up. Hey. Let's go. Thanks for having us, Philadelphia. We're back. We're back. Can't believe it. We're doing it again, Naz. Another summer, another tour. I know, another summer of beers and uh, brilliant U.S. cities, and this one certainly fits the bill. All right, all right. Playing to the crowd, I like it. Liam, we were just talking about it. We haven't seen you in years with The Athletic now. Going to Germany, doing pieces, digging up everybody's history, going in-depth. We love it. How have you been? Yeah, I don't think there's much mileage in another Kai Havertz piece at this stage. <laughs> Who is that? I think I've maxed out that. Um, <laughs> doing well, fresh off the plane, as you say. F- felt like I should come here Firstly, to say hello to you guys and all you lovely people, but also because I'm just such a fan of Nizar. And I just wanted to... He's a real star boy. I haven't seen him in a while. I'm so. a fan of Liam. We have a great football partnership as well, which is not known about, but we've played together quite a lot. and uh, Probably quite rightly not written about. No, yeah, well, when you see it, you would want to write about it, yeah, I think. probably not. <laughs> well, if you uh, haven't, give them a follow on social. Uh, they're definitely going to give you everything you need from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, but we're a summer tour, right? We got preseason. We got a lot going on on this one. So now that we've got, uh, you know, Naz and Liam, I'm going to be honest, Liam was a surprise. This is quite a delight. Uh, we should probably just grill them on what's going on. I don't know if you guys heard, Vivel Nomas. Christoph Vivel has left the club after joining last season. He's going to run the RB model. Turns out he literally wanted to run the RB model at Chelsea. Didn't really work, and I guess he's out now. It's this is two. The hours wings old. have been clipped. There what are no know? wings. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a shock. Um, Red Bull didn't give us wings, did it? Um, but um, yeah, he's um, he's gone from Chelsea. He'll be here um, all week, folks. <laughs> sorry, more bad jokes to come. Uh, yeah, he's on gardening leave, um, so that means he's kind of not allowed to work for anyone else. He's got about twelve months, we think. So he's worked for Chelsea for nine months. Um, and you're exactly nine months and he's got longer on gardening leave so it's a very strange situation um, you know we've, we've sort of found out haven't we that he didn't have that much to do I think Paul Wynn Stanley and Lawrence Stewart the two co-sporting directors they're kind of the chosen ones in the eyes of the owners and um, yeah it's kind of like a bit like the players to me was um, they had too many players they had to sell some they've got too many sporting directors and they've had to let one go. And um, I think that actually it, it seems a bit silly, the situation, but it is a logical outcome in my opinion. I guess, Liam, one, one of the questions that I have is obviously, you know, he had experience with the multi-club model. Chelsea just, you know, purchased a majority of Strasbourg and was, is going to begin to, you know, maybe expand from there. Are you surprised that now is the timing that he would leave after not having that to do from the majority of the year? I think it's quite telling, actually, that I think it's, it's actually quite telling that as the Strasbourg deal is announced, as Chelsea really roll out this multi-club model, the Vivelle's leaving because I'm, I'm not actually sure... I got it. Oh, with the mic's working. I'm not actually sure how much he had to do with the Strasbourg deal. And I'm not actually sure, you know, Naz mentioned he's working for Chelsea for nine months. I'm not sure how much work he was doing because... You know, honestly, we've been hearing for a, for a couple of months, all, all, all credit today to Nathan Gissing for the exclusive um, that he'd gone, but we'd been hearing for a couple of months that 
when Chelsea announced this restructure at the end of January, start of February, with Paul Wynn Stanley, Lawrence Stewart as co-sporting directors, that Vivell was kind of pushed off to the side a bit. Um, and they said he was looking to, he was in charge of the multi-club, but like I said, I'm not sure how much he was actually leading that. So I think this day was, was coming. Um, it does raise questions about why he was appointed in the first place because it, it feels like all parties realised quite quickly that this wasn't working in the way that they planned. Um, and now I think it'll, it'll probably... I doubt he'll do his full 12 months gardening leave. I'm, I'm sure he'll probably get a job before that. How many, how many people do Chelsea have on gardening leave? Isn't Potter's staff still on gardening leave too? It's a big, it's a big garden. <laughs> <laughs> Needs a lot of work. It's the entire Cobham training ground. It turns out we have a big ground staff after all. Yeah, they don't hire groundsmen. They just have former employees. Um, yeah. so, so we know that there were names linked with Chelsea previously, Paul Mitchell, Michael Edwards, who were you know, individuals of interest to Chelsea when we were going after sporting directors. Is there any thought that maybe there's a knock-on effect now where Chelsea would want to put someone above Stewart, above Lynn Stanley to oversee at a higher level, given the multi-club model, given other developments that they have in place? It's certainly not what we're being told. I think we're being told that these, you know, Paul Wynn Stanley and Lawrence Stewart, they are the men um, that are the trusted ones, certainly right now anyway. So we're not expecting guys coming above them. Um, Michael Edwards was the initially the first choice sporting director um, and they kind of worked down the list and they, they've ended up with these two guys. But I think they feel like they're working well. Um, I mean, Maurizio Pochettino actually has quite a good relationship with the two guys they've got now. He's, uh, he's always praising them. He's like, I want transfers now. I want them as soon as possible. So does everyone else. Um, but, you know, he's sort of saying, these guys are doing good work. He knows it's not easy. So um, certainly from what we're hearing, I think that that's the yeah. situation. Yeah, I can only echo what Nizar said. Um, we've never heard that Chelsea are looking for a big number one recruitment guy. They, actually, the pattern with all of the guys that they hired, Vivelle included, was that they were lower recruitment staff at their previous clubs. They were number twos, number threes. Lawrence Stewart was Paul Mitchell's assistant at Monaco. Um, so that would be a weird dynamic if they then brought Paul Mitchell in over the top of him. But from everything we've heard, when Stanley and Stewart are being empowered now to lead the football operation at Chelsea day to day. I guess a final question about the multi-club model. There was a rumor when you know, the Strasbourg acquisition was made that there would be others coming. Have you guys heard of any other clubs that are on the radar? There are others coming. Um, Portuguese clubs, I think. Um, I think one's called Moriense or something like that. My, sorry, my pronunciation there. Somebody help me. Um, and was it Rio Ave, the other one, I think? Uh, Rio Ave uh, yeah, in I Portugal? Think, I think they looked quite closely at Portimonense as well a yeah. while back. So they're, they have been casting their net around, but they definitely want a club in the Portuguese league. And I think when you look at all of the teenage Brazilians that they're signing... It's quite easy to see why they want a Portuguese club. Makes a lot club. of sense. Yeah, and, the, and yeah. the other thing is they want to get people like Enzo Fernandez in earlier. So, you know, Benfica signed Enzo Fernandez for something like £10 million. So if a Portuguese club signed them for £10 million that Chelsea owns, then they can just move him across to Chelsea when he's good enough. So that's the plan. It's the South American gateway. And that's why, you know, Portuguese football is such an exciting place uh, to buy a club. 
Well, it's like how Aaron Moy went from Australia to Man City, never put on the shirt, went right to, was it Brighton? He was at Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Huddersfield legend. The other striped shirt team. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about preseason a little bit. Now, as you were on the first stop, Liam, you'll, you'll get there. But last summer was, was not fun, right? Especially at the end, Tuchel, that massive presser, locker room divided, a lot of players wanted to go. The social media right now, did you see all the glasses, the sunglasses of the players? Yes, yeah, cool. Like, Future th- is it bright. is different. This is <laughs> night and day from what it was. Naz, how are you reading into this? Is this a potch thing? Is this a new squad, new summer? Like, where are we at with this, well, this tour? Well, they are trying to do team building, so it probably fits under that category, you know, making the players look silly, having a laugh. I think that's important, actually. Um, you're supposed to enjoy your job, especially when you're a footballer. So um, they need to bring that joy back. There was a loss of joy last season, not just from the fans, but certainly the players in the squad. Um, so there needs to be that camaraderie. And I think Raheem Sterling was talking about it today when we met him and um, was saying that they're trying to build that. Um, they don't know each other, all these guys. There's, a lot of them are strangers. So, yeah. And then at the same time, um, Nike's uh, the kit provider. So it was a case of... We've got to look after the sponsors we do have. Uh, let's get let's get them some love on our social accounts. So I think that was a bit of what it was. So you were at the press conference today. Pochettino had a couple of different things to say. He did talk about new signings. He did mention Win Stanley and Stewart. You know that they are working. They are. He's happy with the performance that they had right now. But he did seem distressed that. Other teams are maybe getting to be some of the best in England that are not the typical names that you would hear when you think about the best clubs in England. Yeah, I think so. I think this summer series is interesting because um, Brighton have never been to America. um, Fulham have never been to America. So these teams are trying to advertise themselves. Of course, Brentford haven't either. Um, But, yeah, you're looking at those teams in the summer series and they finished above Chelsea. So Chelsea, you know, we want Chelsea to be competing for trophies competing with your Real Madrid, your Man Cities, um, but they've got first start gunning down these teams above them. So Villa, Newcastle, and the way Newcastle are spending, it's, um, it's a changing landscape, I think, and um, it's something that Chelsea needs to get on top of and start pushing forward and, and really get the talent uh, that can start beating these teams. Nick, could you imagine Matt Law's reaction if he heard Potch say Villa were a top team in England? Yeah, he'd, he'd be very happy. I guess, look, Liam, uh, you, you haven't been here the last week or so, but you've covered Potch and you know kind of who he is. W- what's your initial take on who he is and what he's doing with this team? I think so far he's been pretty much exactly what I expected him to be. Um, I think he's, he's all about positive energy, trying to build a, a new culture. in the. A lot of coaches talk about culture, but I think Pochettino's really all about it day to day. And I think them trimming the squad by the time that he actually came in has, has really helped in that regard. Um, and he works, he's he traditionally done his best work with younger talent. And so that's why I think going into this season, I'm actually quite optimistic that I think Chelsea fans will have a fair bit to get excited about. I don't know how good Chelsea will be, but I think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch and there's certainly a lot of talent for him to work with. But he's struck all the right tone so far, I think, in terms of the way he's talked about the job at hand. Do you feel it's kind of like uh, when Conte came in, no Europe, hard working, kind of break the players down, put them in a system, 
same idea. Obviously, execution is is going to be hard to live up to. It really reminds me of that Conte preseason. I was on that, and, and it was in the United States as well. And um, Antonio Conte was very involved in the squad. It was a slim, it was a slim squad as well. Um, and you know, I was watching the training session in in North Carolina. And Maurizio Bochettino really put himself at the heart of the, of the training session. He was doing the running. I remember Antonio Conte, he was covered in sweat training the team. And, and Maurizio was doing a lot of running. Um, so it was, quite, it was quite fun to see him doing that. And there was also, and similar to Conte, it was like a really brutal physical first few weeks. And then it started to be shape work. So, and, and what Liam was saying, that Maurizio Bochettino is doing a lot of the things you'd expect. He's also trying to play the way you'd expect. He's playing the formation he often prefers in his career, 4-2-3-1. Um, I think it's also a formation Chelsea, Chelsea's owners wanted to play. They wanted to play in a back four, um, but they just couldn't get away from the three-man defence. So um, Maurizio Bochettino's trying to do something that Chelsea wants, and he's, he's sort of doing it his way. And um, yeah, I think that that's sort of some of the similarities I see with Conte and you know what Liam was saying is Pochettino doing things sort of his way as well. If you were to think about this match coming up tomorrow, based on the Wrexham match, what are the one or two things that Pochettino is going to want to see match over match? And are there any like key decisions that he's going to want to make in terms of players or personnel? He, he sort of said that he's not going to throw in Enzo, Mudrick and um, Noni Madueke, Colwell. They've come back a little bit too late, but I think we'll see a few changes uh, from the team, a slightly more experienced team. He sort of said that he's still going to play youth, um, but I think there's going to be Thiago Silva might come in. Um, he might start the game, Kepper, of course. So I think that will help the team lift them up a little bit. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that Nkunku and Jackson maybe plays together. That would be quite cool. Um, and maybe seeing Kunku in a different position. Um, you know, he played striker last time. Um, it's not his best position, but he can do it. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see Nkunku in another position. And, and hey, the 4-2-3-1 does have Nkunku's best position. He always says, my best position is a uh, number yeah. 10. I can tell you one thing he won't want to see. He won't want to see Levi Colwell hug anyone on the Brighton team before, during, after the game. Um, and obviously, we know Moises Caicedo will be milling around somewhere, uh, probably sulking high up in a stand. We're, we're still right pushing. Right next to Win Stanley? What's that? Right next to Win Stanley? Yeah. We're, exactly. we're still pushing for the halftime signing where, where, he, where he exchanges the shirt, he gets the photo, and now, now he joins Chelsea. It can be another thing that Naz has never seen at a football match before. There yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kukurea <laughs> will also be another sub. For, for him. And, yeah. and Roberto De Zerbi will spontaneously combust if that happens. <laughs> the, uh, the overlap is, is quite unreal between these two clubs. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, I guess because of Brighton and everything that's going on, tomorrow's a really interesting challenge, Liam, for, for Chelsea, right? This is a team that battered Chelsea twice last season. Obviously, a terrible year for us, but what question do you think that Poch wants to have answered tomorrow, if any? I think at this stage, I think he just wants to see the same type of football that they, he saw against Wrexham, but against a much higher caliber of opponent, because Brighton are the first real yardstick that Chelsea have faced. All due respect to Ryan and Rob. Um, Wrexham aren't quite there yet, but Brighton are... Clearly, clearly very good. Despite the players they've lost, they have a lot of continuity in the way that they play. 
Um, so it's going to be a good test in, in terms of Chelsea dealing with pressure, finding those little combinations in the final third. I didn't watch the whole of the Wrexham game, but in the highlights you could see what Pochettino's trying to do with those attackers. Um, those little kind of wall passes and give and goes that's just a little bit more dynamic and unpredictable. And I think if he sees that against Brighton, we're still very early in pre-season, I think he'll be relatively satisfied. I mean, I'm fascinated to see who plays in goal, obviously. I don't think Bettinelli played at all last preseason. Yeah, he did. The first half, right? You need to stop. I want to see Betts. You really need to stop. Let's see Betts. All right, anyways, um, we kind of touched on it, but there's a little bit of drama between Chelsea and Brighton. Hey, do as I say and not as I do by Deserby today. Ew, Deserby throwing some darts a little bit. Uh, I love the antics. I won't talk about other teams' players, but yeah, that Levi Cole guy's pretty good. <laughs> Moises Casado's definitely not not available. You're like, all right, we're gonna play the game. Got it. I get why, but uh, it's very clear. Casado has said what he wants. There was the unwritten agreement in January over the Arsenal bid. I, how are you guys seeing this right now? Um, because it sounds like. Brighton are very aggressively pursuing Levi Colwell almost as much as Chelsea are pursuing Casado. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit the sign of the times that Brighton are, Brighton are a dangerous force, I think. Um, and I think they want something for Caicedo. Um, and it's either a phenomenal amount of money, and they're benchmarking obviously against Declan Rice. We spoke about that last time. But then they really want Colwell, and um, Colwell probably is open to going. So it's a really complicated situation for Chelsea they insist he's not for sale but it's um, yeah it's a sign that Brighton are strong and um, I think that Brighton will be quite happy with that press conference that Roberto De Zerbi gave because I think they want to have a real tough stance they don't want to make this easy for Chelsea they know Chelsea want Moises Caicedo you look at the team that Chelsea played against Wrexham and will probably play against Brighton and it probably will be lacking him in field I mean we're saying Enzo's not going to start um, and they had a three. They had that three-man teenage midfield, pretty much against Wrexham. And I think that midfield could start again. Um, so if you're looking at it, if Brighton do damage to Chelsea against that midfield, they'll think, "Look, you're desperate. Pay the money." It's kind of a really aggressive negotiating tactic, but they're strong. They are strong. Yeah, Liam. Let's let's talk about the midfield. Obviously, we we know we we need something there, right? Play out the scenario. You know, Brighton don't budge. Chelsea don't want to meet the valuation. Should Chelsea be looking at other midfield targets as a backup at this point if, if this does play out that way? To be honest, I think they should have been looking at those eventualities already because they've got enough experience of how Brighton operate. Yeah. For the second successive summer, effectively, Chelsea are facing a situation where you either sell Levi Colwell to Brighton or you pay a premium for not selling Levi Colwell to Brighton. They did it with Mark Cucurea last year, and now they're looking at maybe paying 100 million pounds, even if it's some sort of package of add-ons for Moises Caicedo. The other problem with that, of course, Chelsea's argument against paying that much for Caicedo is undermined by the fact that they kind of set the market for central midfielders with the Enzo deal six months ago. That's what influenced the price that West Ham ultimately got for Declan Rice, and that is what Brighton are basing their valuation on, because they think he's as good, if not better than Rice, because he's younger. Um, 
but Paul Winstanley knows Brighton better than anyone, so he should know Paul Barber, Tony Bloom, they don't budge from their valuations. Um, and you're not necessarily going to get that much feedback if you're not meeting their valuation. You're just going to get a wall of silence. But the problem is, as you say, Chelsea are in a situation where they clearly need a player of that type to put next to Enzo to free him up to operate a bit further forward. How many of those guys are there out there? I'm, I'm not a scout. I don't like to get involved in the business saying who Chelsea should and shouldn't sign. But if they're not going to get Caicedo, they need a plan yesterday for what they might go for as an alternative. Well, I think at some point, you're definitely going to have to think that he should be able to unlock that club pretty easily on how they operate, when do they go after backup targets, what it's going to take. But Dan, at some point, you got to cut your losses and have some contingency plans. Chelsea really haven't talked you about know, other An interesting targets. one that we, we might want to throw at you. We have Real Madrid who are looking to bring Mbappe in. They need to raise some funds. Chouameni was a player that Stewart would know very well from his time at Monaco. Chelsea could have signed him previously and had a world beater in midfield didn't end up happening is that maybe an avenue that they would want to go down we know the stance from Real Madrid is that they don't want to sell the player but if you need to raise money for Mbappe that might be a route to go down too well, that's a very complicated thing to bank on because I think that Mbappe is playing a game with PSG and then if you want to get involved in that game is that really smart business um, obviously everyone knows in this room that Chouameni would be good enough for Chelsea he'd be a perfect fit he'd be the, probably the next best alternative um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it depends. Do you want do you want a banker or not? It's a risk. It's a bit of a risk, and you could be sat around all summer chasing him. Um, you know, Real Madrid do insist that they're not selling him. So it's uh, for me, it's a bit of a gamble. And and maybe I think I think Chelsea should probably sign Alavia in the meantime, and then carry on chasing Caicedo. That's what I that's what I think if they can afford it, which is I think La they can. Is Lavia a possibility? Lavia is. They like Lavia. They know he's there. Um, I think that Lavia's not quite got the interest that he's hoping for. You know, he's, he's, he's wanting to go to an Arsenal, uh, Chelsea. Um, I think Liverpool have been looking at him as well. But um, he's just waiting for one of those teams to pull the trigger. So if Chelsea want to do it, they can do it. 45 million and it's done. It's also worth pointing out that Romeo Lavia's biggest fan works at Chelsea, Joe Shields. The man who had him at Manchester City... I don't think he necessarily brought him to Southampton, but he was definitely a voice in the room behind that deal. Um, yeah, he's admired him for a long time, so I, I'm sure he'll be pushing his name behind the scenes. Well, uh, I think we do have a game to react to. We did put out the pod, uh, but Naz and Liam, I guess, Liam, we can come back to you. Did you get a chance to watch the Wrexham match? I was asleep. <laughs> no worries. But I did, watch, to, I did see the goals. We're trying to figure out kind of who's maybe impressed right away, whose stock is rising, initial impressions with the highlights. Anyone stand out to you? Because there's a lot of new faces in that team. Well, it's really strange uh, watching Chelsea right now just because you're trying to learn about everyone. But um, Malo, uh, I'll go from the, you know, the back. Malo Gusto, I was quite impressed with. He just gave me um, an air of confidence about him. And physically, he looks a lot better than I thought on TV. Um, when I saw him on TV, I thought he looked a bit slight, but he's quite physical. Um, and, he, and also, we're talking about Pochettino and his blueprint, and you need those fullbacks that get up and down. Um, I was watching the training session as well before, 
and it is a brutal job being a Pochettino fullback. You are up, but you are straight back, um, and you're sprinting, and you're sprinting in the humidity and the heat of the United States right now. So um, he did a great job, I thought, in the first half. Um, Humphreys was accomplished. Um, I don't think he'll stay, though. I think he'll go on loan. Um, and then Andre Santos was, the, for me, the pick of the midfielders. I know Cassidy took a lot of uh, praise. He looked good in moments, but I still don't know if he can move the ball quick enough for the Premier League level. So I'd like to see him against a Brighton. Um, but I think that Andre Santos can. I think he's got that speed of touch, and he, he just wants to get the, his ball out of the feet right away. Does he have that dog in him? The dog, yeah. You think he has that dog in him? I think Look. so. Stop. Come on, he has that dog in him for sure. Um, look, striker update. We're going to move uh, because uh, our favorite player, Obama Yang, has officially left. Um, it's our favorite player, guys. Come on. Ridiculous laughter. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what Chelsea are doing in, in this department? Obviously, uh, Jackson played pretty well, I thought, in, in the Wrexham game. Now, again, it's a League Two competition, so maybe not the best test. Maybe we'll see it tomorrow against Brighton. Is Chelsea still going to go after a striker, Liam? And if so, is it Mbappe? <laughs> I don't think it's Mbappe. Sorry. Damn it. Um, no, I th- I, I, Jackson would have been my pick, I think, for the question you asked Nazar. I thought he, he showed what you saw from him towards the end of last season at Villarreal, which is basically what Chelsea were basing that transfer on, was his real hot streak to finish last season. He holds the ball up well. He's very aware of the runners around him. Um, he had a really nice assist. He kind of created himself really early in the game with a nice dribble. So he's got a lot of interesting attributes to be a focal point striker. Um, the one thing which flagged up in the piece we wrote about him was that he cannot head the ball to save his life at the moment, despite his size. Um, but that's something that can be coached and improved over time. Uh, but he, he looks like he's got a lot to work with. You've got Breuer coming back. He's going to be at Chelsea this season. We'll see how he looks because just being fit again after an ACL is not the same as being back to what you were. There's usually a bit of a lag time. Um, so we'll see with him. But I think they have enough options with those two and Nkunku to go into the season not feeling like they're really under-clubbed in that department. I mean, they basically have been for the last two seasons. So it, it still feels like they've got more than they have in the last two years. Is there a concern that we might have to use Nkunku like Havertz where he can lead the line, it's not really his favorite position, or you think he's a lot more dynamic if he has to play striker? I think it's a concern for a little bit, but um, I think there's also games where it works as well, but it's just, I just don't think you want Nkunku there all the time. So yeah, the first game's Liverpool, right? So tough opposition, sometimes with a false nine, and, and with his physicality, it might work, but I think when it's coming to like, you know, lesser opposition, you probably want a proper target man um, to, to sort of try and hit at times. Um, so I think that Chelsea just need to have a proper striker up front in general, but for, for a one-off games, no problem. And Kunku can do it, and he, he scored that great goal, of course, but he was very quiet. It was actually a bit frustrating watching the second half of the Wrexham game because he didn't touch the ball as much as he'd like, and I think Kunku needs to get on the ball and create for Chelsea. They need some, some great creators, and, and Kunku can do that. One of the things, as we talk about strikers, that fans are begging for, they want to know that Lukaku is gone and off and away from Chelsea permanently. Who? 
Who? It's Lukaku? Dan, yes. It's Dan's Lukaku. favorite player. The ghost of Cobham there. Yeah, the ghost of Cobham. What's your understanding? Again, this feels like a day-to-day type of thing, and there's always more leaks of information, little dribs and drabs of information, whether it's Saudi, whether it's a team in Syria or teams in Syria. What's the latest on where he might be heading and how soon that can get wrapped and it can be done and forgotten? Do you want to take that, Liam, or <laughs> shall I? I've felt for a while, and it's just been a gut feeling that he's going to end up in Saudi. Um, just because I've really been astonished at how, at, at the kind of masterclass that Lukaku has delivered over the last year and a half <laughs> in how to undercut your own transfer value and desirability. It feels like at every stage he's made a decision that has made him less appealing to clubs, culminating in this whole inter-Juve fiasco. Um, yeah, I, I, wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he doesn't end up at either of those. And the other thing with the Al-Hilal offer is it's been on the table all summer, but as the summer goes along and more and more players go to Saudi, it becomes more of a legitimate option in his mind because it, I think it becomes a bit more of a real league than it would have been two months ago. The only um, problem is Al-Hilal are trying to sign uh, Mitrovic, aren't they? So, um, yeah, but I think they'd rather Lukaku. Yeah, probably. I think so. Maybe not the wisest decision. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got nothing else for striker. It's a weird summer. I mean, you know, even Benzema went there. There's not a lot of targets out there. You're just going to have to bridge. You're going to have to hope that Chelsea chip in with goals from the wings, a couple centre-back set pieces or something. It's going to have to be a, a system versus player season for goals this season. I think that's just what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I think that's what Chelsea needs to get back to is create a team and not rely on individual saviors it's always been about the transfer is the savior but you need a system football's evolved a lot of the brighton players that have been signed that everyone thinks are great now nobody had heard of them nobody really had heard of caicedo and now he's one of the best midfielders in the world so um i think chelsea need a coach that can implement that and, and also when when i've been watching chelsea uh, in the open training session and in the match the wingers are the ones getting in the goal scoring positions you look at ian Matson and he got in the positions to score so it, it, you might end up having a season where Raheem Sterling's a top scorer with 20 goals and let's hope that happens but I think that could happen that the goal 20 goals yeah 20 20 yeah have you got 20 in him well double digits is a distant memory really these days but it would be nice to see yeah uh one one rumor that kind of came up for for young players Mason Burstow a lot of loan interest. It's a, a really talented young player that's come through the academy, Liam. What, what are your thoughts on a potential destination for him? Or, or does he really have a chance to be a part of the squad? I think based on what I'd heard when he joined Chelsea, um, I think he's still a bit too raw to be in that kind of conversation. When, when they first signed him, I did a big background piece for The Athletic, and it talking to people who knew him at Charlton um, and it was also talking to people at Chelsea about their plans for him and they rather than loaning him out immediately which they often did with players of his age he was a bit older than the the normal sort of teenager they would sign he's already like 19 I think Um, but they wanted to work with him because he hadn't had a great experience of academy football of formalized academy football uh, he came up through non-league and came to Charlton quite late. So I think there's still been this process of trying to refine his skill set. And he's probably at the point now where you look at him and think maybe a season at the champ- in the championship for a team that's going to play him regularly 
and play a style of football that will let him round things out um, could be a nice next step for him. I think he was, a, he was a bit of a flyer for Chelsea, to be honest. I don't know if they were signing him thinking this is going to be the next great number nine in Europe. They just thought this is a guy who hasn't had much coaching yet, but has got a lot of raw materials and potentially could have a very high ceiling. So I think they're still trying to scratch the surface of what they've got with him. I would say, plug it, Cobham Crew, Phil, Chelsea Youth went in-depth on Mason in our season review, so if you haven't checked it out, definitely do that. He said a lot of the same things, just goes deeper. You know Phil, he just knows everything about that, that side of the business. Uh, Naz, one thing that stood out for you from the presser was Raheem Sterling changed his diet. Why, if at all, is this important? No, yeah. che- no cheesesteaks for Raheem Sterling. Well, that was quite funny, yeah, because... Uh, I, I, there was some people were gonna write maybe that he he felt fat, but it was uh, he was more muscle. He was overweight because of partly because of muscle. Um, Same. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, he was um, he was just sort of saying he needed to change his diet, and because he was heavier, he was getting more injuries. And it, it to me, it sort of didn't reflect that well on what happened last season because you have players. You know, we know that a lot of the stuff off the field was wrong. Um, a lot of the reason Chelsea underperformed, we were out physically, you know, played really. Um, I remember the Brighton game was the one, where, you know, at Stamford Bridge where they won 2-0, but, uh, 2-1, but it, was, it, it felt like a bigger scoreline and, and Brighton was so physical. So Pochettino's really getting the building blocks in place. You have to have the right medical, you have to have the right physio department, you have to have the right fitness coaches. Um, and I think Pochettino will get that right. And then nutrition's part of that picture as well. So um, I don't think it reflected that well on... Chelsea that his first season at Chelsea was a little bit injury prone and also he'd played 30 games for the last 10 seasons in a row before joining Chelsea and that was the first season where he slightly dropped off so um, they need to get that right with all the players not just Sterling and and Sterling's super fit and and, um, should be able to bounce back. How important is the fact that Pochettino brought this whole staff with him to really set an expectation for what the conditioning is going to be this year relative to last year we saw Potter come in didn't have necessarily a coach focused on that level had people in recruiting had people in scouting didn't have someone focused on the fitness end of his players yeah I think that was the same with Tuchel as well Um, so it's been a little while now since Chelsea have had that real emphasis on being one of the fittest teams in the Premier League um, and you combine that with also having a pre-season. You know, pre-season's great for things like this, but it's also when teams do their actual preparation, mainly getting that body of, of conditioning in, because it's just impossible to do. If you take over in September, you might have an international break, but you won't have any players to do it with. So um, I think that's a, that's a big part of the reason why Pochettino wanted to come in in the summer, yeah. also because he didn't want to be remotely associated with last season, understandably. Um, but for a guy like him, I think the, the similar mm. we spoke about this, the similarities with Conte are there. You know, this is a guy who really believes in drilling groups of players physically, um, punishing them mm. <laughs> at times early on to give them that body of fitness to lean on throughout the season. What's, what's great about it for Chelsea fans as well, I think, is that um, you look at the identity of Chelsea and you, I'd say like Barcelona, they're tiki-taka football. Man United are about wingers that cross the ball. Chelsea are about physicality, like winning at all costs, but physicality is part of it. So I think that'll be quite welcomed um, and it might help gender a better atmosphere at Stamford Bridge and, 
and allow fans to connect with the team. Okay. Uh, I mean, t he took it to a, how did How did has. Nick not throw in the comment that I knew he was going to throw in? Say it. That you would refer to that team as bastard-coated bastards with the bastard filling. That's right. It's a great Scrubs quote for those who love Scrubs. That's a Dr. Cox uh, quote. But, yeah, I mean, we do need to get back to Chelsea having some bastards on the team who can control a game and set a tone in a game. I mean, the team was a little too nice last year. And uh, we, need, we need a little two studs up every once in a while. Why not? We don't really know the character or do we of this team or the players and which people are going to step up and do that. And I think that's what we're looking forward to seeing um, in the next few weeks because I think I've never felt less prepared as a Chelsea journalist for what I'm about to see, who I'm seeing, how they play. So um, it is going to be fascinating to see who comes. Yeah, it feels like we're on a real learning curve in the next few weeks, getting to know pretty much an entirely new squad along with the rest of you guys. So we'll see how it goes. Well, uh, instead of doing a lineup prediction, which it won't matter, let's be honest, uh, results-wise, if we had to throw something at the dartboard, how do you feel? You guys got to see the, the, the thrashing in person. How confident are you after the presser heading to a Premier League opposition tomorrow? Uh, I think Chelsea draw 2-2 tomorrow, which okay. I think would be a great result, frankly. I mean. We're not as complete of a team right now as, as maybe Brighton are. I think there's going to be some hashtag aura on the pitch tomorrow, and Chelsea win 2-1. Naz, do I have to? Yes. Sure do. Uh, You're genuinely asking us for match predictions on a preseason friendly. You know, yes, it's you know what we do. See, oh, you know we're probably going to see 40 players on the pitch tomorrow. Do you know how many gamblers are here? Let's go. <laughs> Come on. I think that it's going to be 3-1 to Brighton. I'm sorry, Boo. but I'm being honest. Boo this man. They loved Boo you him. up until that point. <laughs> I'm not getting another drink, am I? <laughs> Throwing darts here, 2-1 Chelsea. There it is. Why Liam not? wants to be loved, and I appreciate that. Liam's just playing to the crowd. Don't listen to him. <laughs> it's a pro move, Naz. <laughs> Off the plane, he made the pro move. All right, so anyways, that's going to wrap us for the podcast part of it. We're going to do listener Q&A for those of you here. But anyways, Naz, Liam, excited to have you on tour. Philly's been a great host. Check it out, Philly Blues on social. But until next time, Chelsea means you know what to do. Keep, Keep the, the blue, blue flag, flag flying high. <laughs>